The Athletic. Hello everyone, I'm Ben Green. I'm the head of audio production here at The Athletic. And we've just made this brilliant pilot show. It's real footballers telling real stories in their own words. It's J.D. Dyer, Frank Newblay and special guest Anton Ferdinand being, well, rather more candid than you might expect. Everyone here at The Athletic loves it, but we want to know what you think. So please, have a listen and then send an email to me. It's bgreen at theathletic.com and put real footballers as the subject. That's B for Ben and green, like the colour, no extra ease, at theathletic.com and the subject, real footballers. Also, if you're in charge of a marketing budget and this is something you're keen to partner on, well, I'd love to hear from you too. On with the show. Steve Bruce. He's the worst manager I've ever had. I know he's Big Sam, but I'm, you know, I'm a unit as well. If he wants a headbutt, I'll give him, I'll give him a headbutt straight here yeah, then. That's what I was thinking. I was so angry. When Carlos Tevez came to West Ham, he couldn't speak English, but the way he embraced us as a team, man used to come embassy, brother. <laughs> on a Saturday, Carlos Tevez is an embassy nightclub. My man's on the dance floor shuffling. I'm seeing people like double take. Rah, that's Carlos, Carlos Tevez. <laughs> like, it's mad. Hello and welcome to this very special episode of The Real Footballers Podcast. I'm talking authentic conversations, unorganised headlines and everything else in between from the footballers themselves. There's no reason to turn around and guess anymore about what they have to say because they'll tell you themselves. I'm joined, of course, as always, by a man who needs no introduction because he started his career at Chelsea, made his name at West Ham, but his black book is as good as anybody's in football and he's also represented 18% of the 92 clubs in the yeah, football no need for that. league. No need I'm for talking that. about Frank Nouvelet. And look, we're also joined by another guy who's well-known in terms of a household name, done everything in terms of reputation and played in the Premier League with Sunderland, QPR, West Ham, and of course, in some exotic places as well, like Thailand and Turkey, uh, and South End on Sea, depending on how you look at it. But a man, as I said, needs no introduction, Anton Ferdinand. Gents, I should say it real. Well, go on, first of all, how you lot feeling? We're good, man. This is the main man, isn't it? This is the man we want to be building. So we're here. Do you play for Chelsea? Yeah, I play for Chelsea. Yeah, academy. Academy. Chelsea. Yeah, academy days. Yeah, roll it out. Onwards. Honourable mention. Honourable mention. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Describe the whole football in general. That's what we turn around and say, right? Of course. Unfiltered, real, organic conversations. But we check in at first. I want to know from you. So many different change rooms, so many places around the world, right? You've experienced. How important is the harmony in a change room, first of all? And what would you turn around and say was your favourite one? Um, harmony in a dressing room is probably the most important thing. Um, and the reason why I say it is from my experience, I can only give you my living experience. Facts. Which is being involved in relegation battles, being bought to keep teams in the Premier League or in the top league or in a league that they're in because I've always found a way of playing a part in keeping the team in the top division or the division that they're in. Um, And a lot of it comes down to the camaraderie in the dressing room. But why are you? Why why have you been that person, you think? Looking back on it now, you think that's a survival maybe mechanism that you have in, in you? You have okay. that experience too, though. People have brought you for similar reasons, right? No, Surely. yeah. I've, I've been in a lot of teams where... Uh, do you know what? Sorry, Niz. You're, you're the person that... Sorry, Niz. I, I, it's hard for me to answer that. That's a question you can <laughs> answer because you've been addressing with me. <laughs> yeah. You've seen me at no, work. No, no, I know. I'm, that's true. You've I was seen gonna me go at on work. To, I was going to answer back to what you were going to tell me, but I'll, I'll give you what I, 
my perspective from from being your teammate. I think you are great at galvanizing a group, which is a great quality to have. Um, I learned quite a lot as well off you and a lot of the boys in that change room. We had a lot. We had a group of men, so the manager didn't need to step in too many times. It was controlled by the senior boys, and even if you weren't an older player in terms of age, how you carried yourself set an example. So I walked into the change room. I remember the South End change room, and obviously Anton's there. Uh, Simon Cox, another player that's played in the Premier League and you know had a great career. And a few other boys who have bounced around the league but always played at a good level, League One, Championship level. But it seemed like a group of misfits. Like a group of in-betweeners. <laughs> Is that how you lot felt about that's yourselves? What, that's how I felt walking into that change room. Oh, Man, so you all had a, like a point to prove, basically. Sort of thing, but at the same time also to remind people who, you know, the qualities we have. But at the same time, it's never going to work because your name's on a paper or on a team sheet. You have to go out there and prove it. So who's the guy that's going to galvanize that group to make sure that works? Anton was one of the major keys to that. Our manager was Phil Brown. You know, the geezer that was on the floor <laughs> and I never want to do half time. That's a character though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's renowned, but you know what the media's like. You believe what you read and what you see. Yeah. Until you actually meet the man. So when I met him, I met an emotional person from day one. <laughs> he was no, crying the first day I met him uh, he was crying Phil Brown was crying the first day I met him I was sat next to Anton I couldn't believe my eyes <laughs> I'm guessing you felt the same way about his emotion then do you know what my relationship with Phil Brown for the time that I had it for, for the time in my career was probably he probably the best person that could have been my manager he gave me that love for football back because before that I, had, I was at Reading and from when the incident with JT happened to what we're we talking, I was reading four years after, three, four years after that. For them whole that whole time, I fell out of love with football. I remember you saying this to me before. Like, I, I hated football. I loved playing it, but I hated what football stood for. Phil Brand brought the love back. He helped bring the love back. And the reason why I say that is because at someone who was now experienced, an experienced player who had a voice and didn't mind voicing his opinion, he didn't fear that in me. He channeled it in the right way. He made me believe and think that what I say goes. That's a powerful place to be in. But you know, I've been in changing rooms, right? And you know, when you have the the vocal leader or the person you turn around and everyone points to when we're up or when we're down, that also comes with a lot of players that want to challenge you. How do you handle the bust ups? The people that will be like, well, who are you that turn around and tell me what to turn around and say in those moments? Do you know, it, it was hard because there was a lot of things happening. There was a lot of things happening in that dressing there room. There was, yeah. Because there's a lot of big characters, yeah. I'm listening to the names you lot are talking about. These guys, are, these guys are, these yeah. are experienced and, and vets, been there. But it wasn't that. I think when I first went into Southend before Niz come, yeah, Adam Barrett, who's an absolute Southend legend, was club captain. Once I'd got fit and I started playing, I almost took his place. And I wore the armband on the pitch. But I always remain, I'm not the captain of this football club. He is, I just wear the armband when I play, if he's not playing. To the point where this is the type of dressing room it was, yeah? Lads would purposely call me Skip when he's about. <laughs> purposely. Oh, love they me. would purposely, all right, Skip. And I'd be going, why are you calling me Skip? Skip is over there. That's a dig. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Um, happens now. Happens every day in every change room. And, and the fact of the matter is, and 
Phil Brown used to come and ask me to deliver messages in the dressing room. And I used to say to him, you have to, Adam Barrett's got to do it. I'm not the captain. And then one time he sat me down and he just said, Anton, I'm not sure if you know what's going on in the ear, but there's a change of guard happening. And the lads need to start following you. And he went to me, and he knew how to push my buttons, by the way. And he went to me, do you think you could handle that? <laughs> and and, and he would tell, so if you question me, I'm going to prove you wrong. That's the way that I am. If you question me or put me on the back, on the back foot, I'm going to come forward and I'm going to show you that I'm going to prove you wrong. Facts. So I said, yeah, of course I can. He was like, okay, well, we'll see. And that was the end of the conversation. And yeah, this leads into the, the little bust up that I saw. Facts. The changer with Anton killed me, honestly. Uh. <laughs> Here we go. So we had a, a player, now Ranger. Oh, legend. Yeah. I'm from North London, so yeah. I know already. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah great kid, uh, great talent, uh, but obviously had his troubles. Obviously, like I said, the first day I came into to South End, you know, obviously I'm sitting next to the boys. They've all welcomed me quite well. I knew a lot of the players there already. And Phil Brown's crying. First day, crying. Tears rolling down his eyes. Couldn't believe it. I thought he might have stepped on something and he stabbed his toe or something. I couldn't believe he was crying. <laughs> reading a sheet of paper. You know, now Ranger's been done for something. So he's going to be, you know, out, out, out for a few weeks. And obviously he was a big player for us. When fit and healthy, I think we'll all agree, Range was unplayable. Unplayable. Unplayable Un talent. Right? At that time as well in his career. Yeah. That's probably fire. the most informed that he was. And you know what? It was his last chance. Facts. Right. He understood that in, too. In, in, in a league, in, a, in an actual professional league, it was his last chance. Right. And I think the club, you know, from afar and from a friend point of view, I thought the club, you know, tried their best to nurture him. Not, they bent over backwards for yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Done really well for they him. They bent over backwards. And uh, obviously that situation happened. So Phil Brown's crying. So that's my first day. So I knew I entered crazy gang territory with this team. And I, I just literally enjoyed every minute. But back to the little bust up was in change room. We've lost the game. And, um, you know, now it's coming a bit outspoken, which I love. I love when players speak their mind. And this change room, everyone spoke their mind. But at the same time, we, we understood if Anton spoke as well, we skip her, let him have the last word and we'll deal with it ourselves, maybe on a coach or the training ground. But now kept on chirping away saying, look, if I was back in the team, this would happen. Stuff like that, right? And I'm loving it. I'm, I'm slightly kneeing him, going, go on, give it some more. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they heard you. <laughs> <laughs> the no, that no, doesn't need any encouragement. No, I don't need it. He doesn't yeah, need like, any encouragement. You know, if I'm playing, did, did we do different things. Like, he just kept on saying it. And obviously, at the time, obviously, Anton and a few of the boys were, you know, a bit riled up. And there's a little bust up. But again, not to go into the nitty gritty of it, nothing really happened. But it was a, it was a point that I realised, you know what, this is a proper team. Because as men, we can push each other around, maybe give a, a little slap in the face, you know, each to their own. But nothing leaves the change room and we carried on. If anything, we went for again for another push. Just missed out on the playoffs, should have got the playoffs. You know, if I, if I score from two yards at like Charlton away, we'll probably make it in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Still get reminded about that about South End fans. But they're in the conference and I'm a league above. <laughs> so... <laughs> so, so <laughs> But yeah, just, just little things like that remind me of what type of man Anton is. But at the same time, what kind of change room I knew that was successful. You just said something that I thought was so powerful that I don't think a lot of, even me as a broadcaster, I didn't even think about that. When you guys get on the coach, and I think about it now, I leave the same exit as the players, right? To this day. But I think to myself, when you get on the coach, everyone just puts their headphones in and probably just see 
ignores each other. You're now saying these conversations still occur. Some of these journeys can be three, four hours. You're looking at players in the face that you were just Especially arguing with. when you go with. down the leagues. Yeah. You I could was, be I up was, and down the to, country. I was used to getting on like... On, on a jet. <laughs> I was used to get in on a plane <laughs> from up north back to south. I was Facts. used to that. And then we did train with South End a few times, yeah. didn't we? Yeah. But like South End, sometimes, sometimes it was a coach. So, how were you? So, you're telling me there's bust ups on coaches as well on the way home? There, there's, there's, I wouldn't say bust up, there's harsh words. Of course. But, but it's controlled. And, and just to give some context to, to what Niz was saying about the, between me, what happened between me and Niall. Niall understands and knows what happened at dressing was out of love. Mm. It was out of frustration for how good he is and how much talent he was throwing away. You know, and, and I'm a man of principles. I'm, I, I like to think I'm fair. Mm. Um, I like to think I've got a big heart, but there's consequences to if you... Cross a line. Cross a line and, and, and take my kindness for weakness type thing. And and that's what I felt like he was doing because everything I tried to do, and now I'll be the first one to say, if now I need help with something at South End, he came, he came to me. Oh yeah, of course. Like he asked me like, what if, and I'd say to him, listen, I don't mind people speaking. Anyone can speak in our dressing room. Like, like Frank said, if you're young, it don't mean you can't speak in a dressing room because when I was younger, I was the loudest in the dressing room. When I was at West Ham, I had outbursts in the West Ham um, dressing room and we got likes of Teddy Sheridan and, like, and Christian Daly and big, big, big time players in there. But when I needed to speak, I spoke. I spoke my mind. But no one couldn't tell me nothing because I carried myself well and I trained properly. So in my dressing room at South End, if you conducted yourself right, you had a voice. If you didn't, you didn't have a voice. And I wouldn't allow you to have a voice I respect in a dressing room if you don't conduct yourself properly. If you don't allow yourself to be the best version of yourself to reach the reach our goal. It's not my goal, it's our goal as a team. If you're not pulling in that direction, you don't have a voice in that dressing room. I respect it because you're you're asking for a level of professionalism from 100%. your fellow pros. And not just that, I was saying it to Noel based on the fact that if he trained properly every day, turned up every day ready to train and joke about in the in the in the change room in the in the in the physio room do what you want in there i was the biggest joke i was the loudest person in, in the dressing room loudest person in the in the um the gym loudest person in the physio room but when we went out to train i was serious yeah yeah and the reason why it frustrated me with now because i knew if he done that premier league player he's a premier league player what I like about both of you two and looking at your professional journeys, right, is you both experienced abroad, which is something that we don't always resonate with English players. Yeah. Now, I want to know, it's a twofold question. Is that some of the worst change rooms you've been in? Is it difficult to adapt? Because respect, you went to China, correct? Correct, yeah. And then you went to, to Turkey yeah. and then Thailand I as go, well. I, did, I, I was going to go Thailand. Didn't go Thailand. I, did, I, I was going to go there. I didn't go there in the end. So basically what happened? No one in England wanted to touch me. Because this is interesting, right? Because there's still debates about whether or not you actually went or you didn't go. I didn't go. So okay. I was, no one in England wanted to touch me. The only way I got back into English football after my incident with John Terry was the team that I was going to in Thailand, the owner, bought Reading. I went out there for a week because I said... I, I'll come out there, but I need to go and see what it's like. I need to find somewhere to live. Because if I come, my family, my wife and my son is coming with me. 
If it ain't the right environment, I don't go. I don't go. Yeah, so I went out there for a week. Me and my cousin Max went out there for a week. All expenses paid. All expenses paid. You know, like, <laughs> nah, Frank, so you Frank last night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we do, you know, isn't it? Yeah, you know I mean? Is that similar to your Chinese experience in terms of? Yeah, yeah, very similar. Yeah, uh, my Chinese Chinese experience is very random, but in terms of change room and uh, atmosphere, it was very unique. I would say South End change room was up there in my top three change rooms I've been in. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Chinese uh, change room was enjoyable, but it was in the middle of the road because of, first of all, language barrier, culture difference. Just living out there was a total shock to the system. Did you embrace it though? I loved it. So when you was in the dressing room- I loved it, I loved every minute of it. Was you one of them guys who, when foreigners come into our dressing room, the first thing is you need to embrace our culture. Yeah. Did you do that when you went there? I did, I I done everything, I done everything. I went to every restaurant all the plays went to. I tried learning how to eat with chopsticks. I try to do. So what's, your, what's your Chinese like right now, then? Chinese words. <laughs> I, I know all the swear words. It's key. I know how to say left and right. Yogwe is left and right. I don't know. I can't remember now. It's been yeah. a few years. But... <laughs> I put man on the spot like that. No, it's no, not no, necessary. At all. No, but it's, it's fine. But at the time, I picked up the words. And in terms of atmosphere and a change room, is what we're, we're obviously generally talking about. It was middle of the road because culturally it was different. They, there was no intensity in terms of like, you know, in England, Anton can testify to it as well. There's an intensity to a half time when you come in breathing heavy and you're, you're, you just consider the goal just before half time. There's an intensity to it. You're emotionally driven. Emotionally, like it, it shows. But um, in terms of like the, the Chinese culture, it was very mellow and laid back. And ultimately, if your quality was good enough, that's all they cared about. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed that you know, outlook on, on things is different. I felt more relaxed. This is what I loved about Carlos Tevez. When Carlos Tevez came to West Ham, the, he couldn't speak English, but the way he embraced us as a team, he like was unbelievable. Man used to come embassy, bruv. <laughs> on a Saturday, Carlos Tevez is an embassy nightclub. <laughs> Love it. With the lads. On a, no, don't drink. Man don't come off the dance floor. No. I'm on shuffling on the dance floor. Have you been on YouTube and see him shuffling? Shuffling, to like, seen it. To like, uh, is it Nickelodeon or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. advert. My man's on the dance floor shuffling. I'm seeing people like double take, rah. That's Carlos Tevez. <laughs> like, it's mad. <laughs> like, it was, but he embraced our culture. He embraced doing things socially. Because one thing in England, in the British League, it's not so much now, but when we was in the higher ranking leagues and when we was uh, coming into into football, you got judged on what you done on a night out. More at times, you was welcomed into the squad because you could drink. Wow. Or you had a bit of banter about you when we was out. I tell you what's so interesting. Both of you have spoken about the relationships and the importance of the relationships with your managers. Has there ever been a time where you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't understand why you can't see the personal aspects of what I'm trying to come from. The disconnect with the managers, because people don't recognize sometimes, managers sometimes have a, as big an ego as any star player you could possibly think of. Some of those managers that have worked with you guys, Sam Allardyce that comes to mind, look, I've got Roy Keane, Franco Zola. That's not even to mention some of the names that you've crossed the paths as well. How difficult is it to manage those personalities from a player's perspective? What he's trying to say is what's Roy Keane like? 
Oh, I've, I've worked with Roy. <laughs> I know, know what Roy's like. like. Direct. <laughs> Strap yourself in, guys. There we go. Seatbelts no, now. I, I, I swear, like, Roy, I absolutely love Roy Keane, man. I loved him as a manager. He bought me for eight million. Just the eight, yeah. Seventeen years ago. That's a lot of money back then, you know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he came there. I, I went there. Man left me within three months. <laughs> yeah, it's tough, mate. It's tough. I swear, he, just, he just ducked out within three months. But the impact he had on me, and when we talk about there's, so he had me for three months. Yeah. He knew how to push my buttons. He knew how to get the best out of me. And he, he learned that in me from the first time we had a conversation. When I went to his house to speak about going to Sunderland, because I weren't, I weren't leaving West Ham, you know. West Ham's my team. It's only because of him I left, yeah, because of the conversation we had, yeah. And I openly said to I said, like, listen, if I don't agree with something that you're saying, I will speak, I will speak up. Like, I will say I don't agree with that, Rafa. I'll, I'll be respectful in your domain, in your dressing room. I'll be respectful. Like, but I'll say I, I, don't, I don't agree. That's probably the best thing I could have said to him. You've worked over it. If you allow him to, if you allow him to belittle you, he, he won't respect you. Nah, he doesn't. He, yeah. he needs you to be, a, as, as he says, a, a real person. Exactly. Right? He, needs, he needs you to be honest and, and organic with him. And, and son... I, he got the best out of me in certain games, but helped the team become better. Helped us get results by by basically using me and hammering me to get other people up for the game and galvanise and make sure that they're on point. You know, and, and... But then I go to the other side of it and Steve Bruce, he's the worst manager I've ever had. It's quite a few players that will say that. Yeah, and the reason oh, being, yourselves in, lads. the reason, the reason being is his his problem with me was personal, and I still don't know what that personal why why it was. I still don't know it today, and it's not like I didn't ask him because I asked him on many occasions. Like, what's your problem with me? You know, and and the reason why I say it is because you know in a dressing room. See when players are getting picked ahead of you and deep down I know they shouldn't be and they're embarrassed. They look embarrassed when the team gets named. That was happening to me every week, you know. How are you not playing, Anton? Exactly. Honestly, no, no, playing? No, but, but the players that are playing ahead of me, the name, the, the team will get named. Like, we'll, we'll be in a room. They'll see me. Like, we'll lock eyes and they'll just do that. Because they know. Because they know. They remember, like, how, how am I playing ahead of them? Yeah, and... Then the whispers, ah, uh, you should be playing, Anton. Be playing. <laughs> yeah. And it it riles you up. Yeah, never shouts the roof. The worst ones, isn't it? It's the yeah. guys on the bench. Like, you should be starting really, exactly. Anton. How's he playing ahead of you, bro? Like, yeah. I know, man. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what have you done? What have you got on him? Exactly. And then we had the maddest argument, man. The argument was an absolute madness. Private or public? Public, in, in the gym. In, in, the front, gym. in front of, And that's the only reason why it went like that is because, like I, I use the word, your domain, yeah. when I'm talking about Roy Keane, I'm respectful to everybody. I'm respectful regardless. But my manager, in his domain, which is the dressing room and his office, the training pitch, yeah, that's the gaffer, that is the manager's domain. But you see outside them places, treat me like an adult. Don't chat to me like I'm a little kid. 
And that's what he tried to do. And I just didn't have it. This was around a time where I think I was I was um, linked with Sampdoria. Um, prob- I was probably creating those transfers. <laughs> <laughs> Napoli and I think AC Milan, I think, at the time. And um, he was going, who's going to want you with your mentality? Like, like who's going to want you? You're, who's going to want you? Like, and all this rubbish. And I just went like, bro, like, who are you talking to? <laughs> I just lost the I went, who are you talking to? Like, I won't get, like, I was like, I just, I said, who the fuck are you talking to? <laughs> yeah. And I just lost the plot, bro. Like, I, but it was because he embarrassed me because there's people there. Facts. Like, don't chat to me like I'm an idiot or like I'm a little kid. I'm, I'm like 20, 25 at the time. Yeah. And I just didn't have it. The reason why I'm explaining this story is because managers are there to manage people. They're not always, they're not, most managers ain't good tacticians. That's what they've got coaches for. That's why they they build a coaching team. There's some managers that are brilliant with like Mark Hughes, unbelievable with everything. Yeah. Alan Pardew, unbelievable with everything. Steve Bruce isn't. Be a manager. We're learning a lot about the dynamics between players and managers, which is brilliant. Avram Grant. Yeah. Talk about his sort of situation with him as an individual yeah, and what that was like. But then have there ever been any other managers that sort of resembled that? Yeah, I'm, listen, we've, we've both had loads of managers. I've had, I think you have to go on Wiki and probably probably still- I was still counting this morning. <laughs> I was managers morning. I've had. I've been very lucky. I also see it as a blessing. You know, you can see me as a journeyman. All the banner I can get thrown at me. How many clubs you had? More clubs in Tiger Woods. All that kind of stuff. Just <laughs> yeah. fine. It's brilliant. <laughs> but at the same time, that one, that one coming from the from the trolls online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've I like read, that I've one. That, that was good. But now I've been lucky to have a lot of managers. And like I said, yeah, the three years I had at West Ham when I signed as a youngster. For any youngster going into a new club, massive club West Ham is, you love to have a stability, uh, a stable manager, stable place to go to work. And I had uh, Gianfranco Zola, unbelievable guy. And he was good in the five sides, wasn't oh, he? He's still the best player in the club. Still best player in the club. Still best player in the club. He, <sighs> he might have been 41. I heard that about Patrick Vieira you know, Sorry, well, boss, Could if still you went, go and do the five. Sorry, boss, if you went 41, it might have been 39. I don't know. But he was the best player. Finishing drill was unbelievable. But as a manager, for me personally, I thought he was more, I could see more as a coach and someone that, made you feel good about yourself. Like you said, make you want to run through a brick wall for him. I feel like that was him. And to be fair, we had Steve Clark, so both of them counted each other quite well. But he left the first year. I almost cried that year. Probably the first time I cried. Or nearly cried. Um, and then Avram Grant came. You know, if you could see a sieve in a human being, that was... Wow. That, in a human being as a manager, that's what it was. We used to sit there, I used to sit there and see, you know, the older pros like the Mark Nobles and, and people like that you know, legends of the club. And I used to see them even even see, you know, loss of love, not even love, maybe intensity to, you know, drive the sessions on and, and stuff like that because it can be sapped out of you. And that's why I always think managers are so key in hiring in any club. And regardless of any player that is signed for a club, the manager is the main contributor to success. Eventually we did get relegated. Then Big Sam came. One story on Big Sam. He probably won't remember this if he's ever listening, hopefully. He'll come on one day. I'm telling you. subscribe to it and uh, won't be scared to come sit on the on the chair next to us. Big Sam, Christmas Day. So this, you know, I don't know what people know about Christmas Day in football clubs, but it's, again, it's another tough time for players because you want to be with your families. You don't know how much you want to eat as well because you've got a game boxing day. So it's quite tough. And what you can drink as well. 
you know, not advertising drinking. It seems like I'm the one that's doing it. Um, it's part of the game. But it's man. part. It's part of Christmas. Of it's part of the culture for some people. Um, and uh, he he spoke to everyone individually before they left, and he pulled me to his office. Him and uh, Wally Downs, another legend in football, unbelievable character, <laughs> unbelievable character. Some of the stuff he used to do for the boys just to gear him up for games. Uh, you know, I, I probably couldn't even speak it on it. Um, but uh, yeah, great character. Um, but yeah, he he, um, he pulled me in. He said, oh, Frank, you know, you know, uh, the manager's waiting for you. Walked in there. He asked, what are you doing? Uh, how are you going to enjoy Christmas? I said, oh, mum's cooking. You know, I need to get back for that. You know, I'm really looking forward to it. And um, and then he said to me, uh, okay, Jollof. just just make sure. <laughs> yeah, Jollof, yeah. Everything <laughs> mixed, turkey, chicken, <laughs> eggs. You know, rice, futu, plantain, everything mixed African dish is what we do at Christmas. He asked me, okay, uh, fair enough. Enjoy Christmas. Uh, I'll see you back in for the next day. I think we had a game and I was in the squad. As I walked out, what he didn't know, well, he knew, but he was unsure. There was another room to his room. So there's a portal cabin. And I couldn't get out the main door of the whole portal cabin. So I was trying to wrestle the door, trying to get out. And he's still speaking about me as I've left. He's gone, what's wrong with these fucking kids these days? Never want to do extras. They just want to go <laughs> home and have their food. <laughs> so I'm sat there. You know, if I could turn a red in face, I'd turn red in face, all right? I'm blushing. And I'm thinking, hold up here. Yeah. I know he's big Sam, but I'm, you know, I'm, a, I'm a unit as well. If he wants a headbutt, I'll give him, I'll give him a headbutt straight here and then. That's what I was thinking. I was so angry. He's a big guy, but at the same time, he's eye level. Be you know fair, I mean? that would have been a head off. Yeah, yeah, been a head off. Tim Hedman, Honestly, the size of it. Hopefully when Simon Cox is watching this, he ain't, he ain't, he ain't laughing because he's at his massive. But, um, the Swede boy. But yeah, you know, he was digging into me in terms of like saying attitude and do extras. It's Christmas day, big Sam. It's Christmas day. For crying out loud. So I came back and I knocked on the door. I said, Gaffer, the door's, the door, the door's not opening. And he laughed and, um, and he didn't say anything about it until I think a few weeks later. And then Wally Downs made a joke about I know the door was, was locked and you had everything, didn't you? I went, yeah, you dirty, you dirty bunch of so-and-so's. <laughs> Whatever, meaning about a little laugh about it. But just to show you that all managers are personal, but at the same time, they're human beings. They have their opinions. This has been The Real Footballers Podcast. We told you and we promised you unfiltered. We told you authentic and we told you organic. And that's exactly what we delivered. And just a round of applause to our first guest, Anton Ferdinand. Let's go! So, what do you think? Should we make more of them? Well, we definitely think so. And do you want to partner with us? We'd love to chat. So please, drop me a line. It's bgreenattheathletic.com. That's B for Ben and green, like the colour, no extra E's, athletic.com. This was The Real Footballer Show from The Athletic and you, quite literally, heard it here first. The Athletic.